0: Have you ever needed to be doing something really important? Like you had to be right on task, but about an hour later, maybe you found yourself on YouTube watching cat videos. Anybody? Just me? Okay. Oh, good. Thank you, Noah. (laughs) Well, this week it was not cat videos for me, but I, um, I found myself on Google Images looking at all kinds of stairways. And so I wanted to show you some that I found. Look at this first one. That looks a little um, intimidating. That one, I'd definitely fall. And here's my favorite. Anybody want to go on that stairway? (laughs) In our series that we have been in for the last two weeks, concluding today, How to Be, we have been looking at the Beatitudes, that famous opening teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus sees a large crowd and, oh, he has compassion on them sits them down on the side of the hill, sits down with them, and begins to teach this Sermon on the Mount to them all. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are mourn. blessed are those who are meek. And all of those that Rodney just said just now. We have said that these are like steps, like a stairway each one taking us further and further into living out the kingdom of heaven here on earth. And it becomes a stairway to the kingdom of heaven. You were thinking it, right? You were thinking it. Somebody tell the teenagers who Led Zeppelin is. This kingdom-minded life, as we ascend these steps, these stairs, it's a way that God helps us to understand what it means to be fully assimilated, fully integrated into this kingdom-minded life. A way for us to process this, and though it might not be linear, it might not be step by step by step, maybe sometimes it's more fluid back and forth, but this is a way that Jesus is saying, come on, be fully invested in this, because he is fully invested in us. And so last week we've looked, or the last two weeks, we've looked at the first seven steps, and so today we find ourselves with the last two. So step eight. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven persecuted. For righteousness sake, this is so much more than interacting with someone who disagrees with us, maybe on social media and having an argument. Wouldn't you agree? It's so much more than that. Looking back at the scriptures from the very beginning when God sent out his prophets to speak for God on God's behalf, when we look back at the lives of those prophets, They were, at one time or another, hated for what they were saying, for what God had given them to say and how to live. Some of them were even hunted and killed because of that. Jesus said many things as well, some things that people did not like or want to hear, especially those with power or privilege Some did not like what he had to say either, and he was also killed. Who remembers the first Christian martyr in Scripture? Anybody? Stephen. Who was stoned to death for challenging the status quo of injustice and oppression at the time. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake Maybe we want to go back to the cat videos. Maybe. Step eight and nine go hand in hand. Look at the next step nine. Blessed are you when people revile you. Goodness, that word. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. But rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for the same for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you rejoice and be glad when we ascend this stairway into the kingdom of heaven we are becoming more and more like jesus we are also letting go of any allegiance we might have to any other thing any other kingdom, any other stronghold that has us, and we say yes into assimilating more and more into the kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus came to reveal to us, that he came to invite us to be part of. We've said that sometimes the stairs are sequential in nature, as is our own transformation, bit Bit by bit we are loved and we are able to receive that love. We are able to be transformed by that love so that in eventually we become that love of Jesus. And so when we look at steps eight and nine, Jesus is not saying that to be part of the kingdom of heaven you must be persecuted, but... He has shown us in scripture that his message is one that rattles some cages, right? His message is one that for those who are part of this world, power structures and power systems of this world, the status quo of this world, that message can be seen as a threat to those who are benefiting from that old way. Because these two systems just don't mesh together. And so we fight to stay planted in the old ones, no matter the cost, sometimes. Clarence Jordan, in a book that he wrote that Eric and I have referenced several times, uh, paraphrases Jesus' words on this text. And I want to read you Clarence Jordan's words. Listen to what he says. This is him paraphrasing this to us as Jesus. He says, friends, this is it. You think you've already been through a lot. You're just getting started. As you walked up these steps and came into my kingdom, I made it clear to you that you are thereby making an all-out commitment. I charge you now to be faithful to it. Cost what it may, but don't let them scare you or bully you or make you back down. Rejoice that you have been counted worthy to be on our side. You're in great company of the prophets whose glorious past stretches back to the beginning of time, whose future has no end. So go to it. I'm with you. In a podcast I was listening to this week, there was a gentleman talking about the scripture, 1 John 4, 18. There is no love and fear, but perfect love cast out fear, he said. And he was talking about it for a little while, and he said, but he thought the opposite was also true, that fear has the power to also cast out love. It just depends on the, on the side where we've decided to land, where we've decided to put our heart and soul into, to live in fear or to live in love, to live in the systems of the world or to live in the kingdom of heaven. And he said, we have a choice of that every single day in all the little tiny choices and all the big ones as well. And so when we choose the side of love, when we choose the kingdom of heaven, the side of Jesus, we can rejoice that we are bringing about the kingdom of heaven here on earth. We are partnering with God to do so. And so it is not a rejoicing like this, like, yes, I'm being persecuted, man. But it is the joy that wells up in our souls again and again that we are getting to do this holy work with Christ Jesus alongside of each other, and God is right smack dab in the middle of it with us, with us. The kingdom of heaven work, the kingdom of heaven life produces joy over and over and over again. This week I was looking for some examples of some people who had lived and are living lives that exemplify this, these two final steps, this kingdom of heaven lifestyle. And I bet we could all brainstorm and come up with a very good handful. Those who have been and have uh, died for the cause of Christ, some that came to mind, Martin Luther King Jr. for civil rights. Nelson Mandela, his fight to end apartheid in South Africa. What about St. Valentine? It was just Valentine's Day. Anybody know about St. Valentine? Persecuted, martyred because of his extreme love of Jesus and sharing it for all. And in fact, the legend is that he wrote a note to his person, to the person who would execute him, telling how much Jesus loved them. And it signed, your Valentine. But I also learned about a man named Martin Niemöller, a Lutheran pastor in Germany during the reign of Hitler. And at first, Niemöller was in favor of this new Nazi regime, But as it grew more and more against, or for plans for oppression, for plans to eradicate Jewish people, he became extremely and emphatically against it. And so much so that he spoke out against not only the Nazi regime, but of Hitler himself. And then Martin found himself in the middle of a concentration camp. And so while he was being imprisoned there, an American journalist came to interview his parents. And I want to read to you what his parents said about their son Martin being imprisoned in in the Nazi concentration camps. He said this. This is the dad speaking to the journalist. When you go back to America, he said slowly, do not let anyone pity the father and mother of Martin Niemöller only pity any follower of Christ who does not know the joy that is set before those who endure the cross despising the shame. Yes, it is a terrible thing to have a son in a concentration camp, the aged man concluded. Paula and I here know that. But there would be something more terrible for us if God had needed a faithful martyr and our Martin had been unwilling. tell you how often have I camped out in fear rather than camped out in love not willing to even endure the criticism slight criticism of people online in church out of church in my family out of my family neighbor stranger let alone being jailed or or worse for Jesus Jesus I think that I have been camped out there too often, far too often. Sometimes camped out there because I just don't want to rock the boat or I don't want my boat to be rocked. Sometimes life is smooth sailing, right? Which makes me wonder Is a life following Christ Jesus, is a life following and living out his teachings and living out the good news of Christ supposed to be always smooth? Maybe sometimes, but certainly not all the time. I mean, it wasn't smooth for the prophets. It wasn't always smooth for Jesus. So why would I expect it to be smooth for me? Why would we expect it to be smooth for us? So this makes me ask myself, I'm wondering if it would make you ask you, I wonder if it would make us as Grace Community ask ourselves, are we saying things, are we living things out in our own lives that are worth persecuting? Are we living lives so steadfast in Jesus that we feel a little pushback from time to time? That the world says, "Uh uh-uh, not having that. I think I should be. I think that we do. And I think that we should continue to live into that more and more and more. Not Saying things or living in a specific light, a specific way, merely for the reaction, not at all. But it is what we say, or how we are living, or who we are loving, or where we are choosing to minister, that gets the reaction, because it does not mesh with the kingdoms of this world. When we are following Jesus, it will not always be smooth sailing, but we know that all times that Jesus is with us all the time. We said it in our affirmation today. We are not alone. We are called to so much more than a smooth, easy life. Our purpose is so much greater than that. Right after the Beatitudes in the scripture, the very next line says what our purpose is. I'm going to read it to you. It's Matthew 5, 13 through 16, and I'm going to read it to you in the message translation. The message is a paraphrase of the scripture, and so I wanted to read it to you because I love the way it sounds. It got my attention, so here it is. This is Jesus talking right after the Beatitudes. Let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your youthfulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it, Jesus says. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on the hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. Be opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up to God. This generous Father in heaven. (sighs) Meant to be God seasoning so that people are able to taste and see that the Lord is good. Meant to be light so that others can find their way to God. There is a resort in North Carolina. I wonder if anybody has uh, been there before. It's called the Grove Park Inn. And it is nestled in the beautiful mountains near Asheville, in Asheville. And one thing that they do each night as the sun is going down, just at the moment where the sunset is at its most perfect view, Grove Inn rings a gong so that everyone knows that at that moment they should stop exactly what they're doing. They should go outside and look up at the sky because there it is, perfection. And this is us, too. We are the salt of the earth. We are the lights of the world. We are the gong ringing out. Look up, everyone. There he is. There's Jesus. So we must abandon, I, you, us, we must abandon this goal of smooth sailing and jump on board with the harder, more challenging life of being light, of being salt, of being gong ringers who may be from time to time, persecuted for living out the life teachings of Jesus. And we all have a part in this, a big part. And Eric and I are perhaps the resident preachers here at Good Grace Community, but we are all bearers of this good news. Amen. We are all bearers of it. We are all called to preach it. To preach the gospel in our homes, in our schools, in our jobs, in the checkout lines, with our neighbors, with our enemies. We are called to preach it. And my goodness, I don't mean in a weird, strange, televangelist kind of way, never. But in your own way, In the same way that there are a thousand different kinds of salt, in the same way that there are a thousand different kinds of light, the purpose is the same. You be you in the way you are salt. You be you in the way you are light. You be you in the way you ring the Jesus gong. But knowing that it's not always going to be easy. And this is the reason that we so desperately need one another. This is why we come together every Sunday, to sit shoulder to shoulder with each other, to to share a sign of peace with one another. Not just shaking hands, hey, how are you? That's part of it, but sharing peace with one another. That's why we sing every week together. That's why we pray every week together. That's why we say what we believe each week together. Not that we forgot what we, were, what we believe, but as a reminder to the depths of our souls of this is why we're living this way. That we might be salt and light because it is Jesus. It is Jesus. It is Jesus. This is the why we need small groups together prayer groups together, fellowship dinners together, to eat Roger's barbecue together. It is so that we can come back out, come back in to worship with one another, to be renewed and restored so that we can get up and go out again. Where we can get up and go out again and tell the world how much they are adored by Jesus. So, church, what will we do with this text? I've read the Beatitudes so many times in my life, but this time it has just wrecked me. What will we do with this? What will we do with this calling to ascend the stairway, to be transformed again and again, to be camped out in love, camped out in the good news? To be camped out there together in such a way that any kind of persecution that we may suffer causes joy to bubble up. What will we do with this text? To make a journey like this, we need each other. Are you on board? To make a journey like this, we will need to be praying for one another. Are you on board? To make a journey like this, we will need to be climbing the stairway with one another. Are you on board, church? What will we do with this calling? To be climbing the steps with one another. To always, always, Always be pointing to Jesus, the one that teaches us how to be, that one that offers us and offers to the world the gift of being blessed. Amen. you stand. It is only Jesus. Only Jesus. This is for you, Lord. Hear us sing. i mm-hmm. he is glorified. Amen. And so we, may we continue to partner with each other to lift one another up as we ascend the stairway of the kingdom of God together all for the glory of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.